We're going to read the Word of God this morning. We're turning to 2 Chronicles, or chapter 18. And I must confess, I struggled with this because I wasn't sure whether to preach this message or not this morning. And even last night, I was still wrestling in my mind. As you know, for a number of weeks, we've been thinking about Jehoshaphat. I didn't want to make it into a series of messages, but it seems to be turning into a little mini-series. And the more I read this portion, the more blessed I am in my heart. But let's read Second Chronicles chapter 18. We'll not read all of the chapter, but we'll read a portion. Second Chronicles chapter 18, verse 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. And after certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance and for the people that he had with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead. And Ahab, king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Wilt thou go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Therefore the king of Israel gathered together of prophets four hundred men and said unto them, Shall we go up to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, for he never prophesied good unto me, but always evil. The same is Micaiah, the son of Imla. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. And the king of Israel called for one of his officers and said, Fetch quickly Micaiah, the son of Imla. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, sat either of them on his throne, clothed in their robes. And they sat in a void place at the entering in of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Shen-Anah, had made him horns of iron and said, Thus saith the Lord, with these shalt thou push Syria until they be consumed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And the messenger that went to call Micaiah spake to him, saying, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king with one assent. Let thy word, therefore, I pray thee, be like one of theirs, and speak thy good. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, even what my God saith, that will I speak. And when he was come to the king, the king said unto him, Micaiah, 
Shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And he said, Go up and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. And the king said to him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou say nothing but truth to me in the name of the Lord? Then he said, I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return therefore every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would not prophesy good unto me, but evil? We'll end the reading there at verse 17. And we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this morning is taken from 2 Chronicles chapter 18. And it says in verse 1, Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. And after certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance and for the people that he had with him and persuaded him to go with him to Ramoth Gilead. Verse 3, And Ahab king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat king of Judah, Wilt thou go up with me to Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. Now that's my text this morning. Second Chronicles 18 verses 1 to 3. I've read it twice for you. And my theme today is entitled Understanding Jehoshaphat's Sin of Compromise. Now last Lord's Day we learned that Jehoshaphat was the fourth king to reign over the land of Judah. Whenever his father Asa died, Jehoshaphat was 35 years of age. So he's not a child. He's not a teenager. He's a grown man. He's really in the middle of his life. And here he is, 35 years of age, and he's crowned king over Judah. We know from the scriptures that he reigned in Judah 25 years. So that means he was 60 when he died. Now, Jehoshaphat, as I've already told you, is a fascinating individual. He's one of the few kings in Judah who knew and loved the Lord. He's a man who sought to direct his life in the way of godliness. He, he exercised himself unto godliness. None of the kings of Israel, not one of them had a testimony that they loved the Lord or walked in the paths of godliness. Sadly, even many out of the 19 kings of Judah and one queen used their position not for the honor and glory of God, but instead used their position to promote idolatry, to promote immorality and iniquity in the land. Many of them, even though they were king and one queen, had no interest in the things of God. They had no love for him. But Jehoshaphat was different. Remember our text last week, Second Chronicles 17, 3 and 4. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. And I encourage you to read the text carefully and slowly. I ask you to allow the words to impact upon your heart and mind. Jehoshaphat was a man who sought the Lord. 
He, he walked in the ways of God's commandments. He, he gloried in the ways of God. He removed the idols out of the land. He strengthened himself against Israel. He, he fortified his cities with soldiers and munitions. He sent out teachers into the land of Judah with the book of God to, to teach the word of God. He, he called the nation to prayer in a time of crisis. See, Jehoshaphat was God's man. Jehoshaphat was a good man, a man of strong faith, a, a, a gracious man with deep conviction. Now, I've told you, not a perfect man, not a sinless man. He was a man who made mistakes, a man who was prone to error, prone to misjudge things. Yet, for the most part, he's a man who knows God and loves the Lord, a man in a blessed relationship with the Lord. And I told you last week when we read First or Second Chronicles 17, there's not one word of criticism in the chapter about Jehoshaphat. Not one derogatory remark said against him. Remember, he's 35 years of age when we're introduced to him. The name Jehoshaphat means the Lord shall judge. And here's a man at the beginning of his reign who lived up to his name. A man at the start who had a good heart and a good mind about the things of God. A man who walked in the first ways of his father, David. Now look at chapter 18, verse 1. What do we read there? And now Jehoshaphat had riches and honors in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. When I read that, I read it with astonishment. Later on, at a feast in Samaria, he said to Ahab sitting on the throne, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. Does not make for fascinating reading. To me, it makes for sad reading. To me, it makes for grieving reading. Here's King Jehoshaphat, and he has the potential for doing good. He's the best king who ever ascended the throne of Judah. A man who patterns his life in the first ways of David. David at his best. David is a mighty man of God. And Jehoshaphat says, I want to follow in his steps. And what's he doing now? Well, we read in the scriptures, Unjoined affinity with Ahab. A man who had the honor and stamp of God upon him. A man who scaled the heights in a sense with God and for God. And what's he doing now? He's plummeting the depths of compromise. He's plummeting the depths of sin. And he brings terrible trouble on himself and on his house. Trouble that eventually brought unspeakable bloodshed into the family line. To our text this morning is Second Chronicles 18, 1 and 3. And I want you to understand Jehoshaphat's sin of compromise. Three things. The decision that he made. Or the decision that was foolish, maybe it would be better put. Look at verse 1 of chapter 18. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. Here's the record in verse 1 of chapter 18 of one of King Jehoshaphat's terrible blunders. Here's a record of one of his sins, one of his mistakes before the Lord. And what was it? He joined affinity with Ahab. 
Now, now I want to point out who did this. Who made this decision? It was Jehoshaphat, this good, godly man who has the potential for uh, being the best king ever that sat on the throne of Judah. A godly man, a man of strong faith, deep convictions, a man who loved truth and righteousness, a man of prayer. He made this decision to join affinity with Ahab. He was responsible for it. He was not forced into it. Do you know what I think? That if Jehoshaphat, as a good, godly man, made this terrible blunder and mistake, then none of us are exempt from such compromise. None of us are exempt from sin and coldness. None of us are exempt from backsliding. None of us are exempt from error. We've all got strengths, but we all have weaknesses. Here's a man who had a heart for God. And yet we discovered that this godly man could be weak and he could compromise in a given area in his life. You know, the greatest strength that a man has can become as great as weakness. You, you think of a man this morning who stands for truth and righteousness, stands for the fundamentals of the faith, who says, I believe the Bible to be the infallible and errant word of God and the personal work of Christ. And uh, I believe in this doctrine and that doctrine, the doctrine of God and doctrine of human sinfulness and the doctrine of redemption. And yet that man, could be harsh, he could be cold, he could be unloving, he could be unkind in, in his treatment of others. You think of a man who oozes love and compassion. I, I met one of them yesterday, the Dean of St. Anne's Cathedral. And yet I told that man he was erring by tolerating evil tolerating everyone and everything because he had a, a, a table outside St. Anne's with the slogan on it, this church supports equal marriage. And I told him that the head of the church doesn't. And of course he didn't want to listen. But you see, there's many this morning and, and they come to you in the name of love. And, 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 and they desire unity. And because they, they come in love and desire unity, they're quite prepared to compromise and sell their soul to the world and the devil. Here's Jehoshaphat, the start of his reign. He's 35. And what does he do? What did I tell you last week? Chapter 17, verse 1. Do a contrast between the two chapters. It says, And Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his stead and strengthened himself against Israel. That was at the start of the reign. Now here's a contradiction. And joined affinity with Ahab. What's he doing now? He's joining affinity with Ahab. You see, it demands close attention. One of the best of men. A godly man. And he's brought into a close, damning relationship with one of the worst of men. See, see I believe that you can't bring these two men together in a close affinity. You can't yoke these two men together. Because one is the epitome of evil and sin and wickedness. And the other is the opposite. He stands for God. He stands for truth and righteousness. Now how do I know that Ahab was a wicked man? Well let's compare scripture with scripture. Turn over there in your Bible to uh, 1 Kings. And look with me at chapter 21. 
We read in 1 Kings chapter 21 and verse 20, listen to these words, and Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. That's what Elijah told him. And if you read 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25, it says, But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. Do you see the words there? None like unto Ahab for what? Not for worship, but for wickedness. He sold himself to do wickedness. And he did it in the sight of the Lord. And we're told here, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. See, Ahab didn't have the influence of a godly wife. He didn't have a praying, gracious woman by his side. He had a woman dedicated to sin, dedicated to wickedness, dedicated to the ways of hell. And we're told here in the verse 26, and he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things as did the Amorites whom the Lord cast out before the children of Ammon. What's Jehoshaphat doing? What is he making an affinity with Ahab for? And I point out again, he is responsible for his decision. And do you know this morning, you're responsible to God for your decisions. You're accountable to him for your decisions when it comes to your company you keep, the links you forge in life's journey. The fellowship that you have with others, the places that you go, and the things you do. Remember the Bible says, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. I was thinking last night of the words there in the book of Galatians. It says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 18, Paul said to that church, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. And Jehoshaphat was making himself a transgressor. And if you return to the old ways, the ways of the world, the ways of sin and compromise, if you embrace again the things that God hates, things that are an abomination to the Lord, then you make yourself a transgressor. Jehoshaphat was selling out himself for friendship with Ahab. But Ahab is no friend of God. Ahab has sold himself out for wickedness. Now, now I've asked myself this question. Why? Why join affinity with Ahab? Let Let me try and give you two reasons. I think, first of all, he was blinded by his riches. It says in the text, Now Ahab, or Jehoshaphat, had riches and honor in abundance. Was he blinded by riches? Remember what we read in 17 verse 5? Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presence and he had riches and honor in abundance. We read in verse 12, and Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly, 17 verse 12, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store 
Verse 13, And he had much business in the cities of Judah, and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. Do, do you see the picture that's building up from the start of his reign, and he's age 35? God blessed him. God established the kingdom. And he had riches and honor in abundance. And then he waxed great exceedingly. So he was being talked about. And, and he had much business in the cities of Judah. And because God blessed him, did he become strong in himself? Was he guilty of self-reliance, self-confidence, self-complacency? Remember the Bible says, pride cometh before a fall. At the center letter of the word pride is the letter I. And it has to do with self. And here God has blessed him with riches. And did that blind him to that decision? I believe he was blinded as well by reunification. There's two kingdoms, north and south, ten tribes in the northern kingdom, two tribes in the southern kingdom. This is what Jehoshaphat thought within himself. If I marry one of my sons to one of Ahab's daughters it'll eventually lead to reunification of the kingdom. And surely that would be a great thing. So, so what was for a good cause, the cause to reunite the two kingdoms, that he made this decision. But he never stopped to think or ask, what was the will of God? Was he thinking that my boy will have influence in Athaliah, Ahab's daughter and Jezebel? Was he thinking that my boy must marry a princess out of Israel? See, Judah was now a power base in its own right. I'm convinced that Ahab was probably thinking, Jehoshaphat's a good man, a nice guy. He's very trusting. I'm happy to enter into this affinity with him. Now, I've told you who did it. And I've told you what he did and why he did it. Or at least I've suggested that. I can't open up the scriptures. But I want you to think of why, or, or the way. I want you to think of how the devil works this morning. See, the devil never gives a full frontal assault on your soul. He'll fill you with a good cause. He'll fill you with something that's plausible. Because I believe it was to Ahab's advantage to become allies with Jehoshaphat. So after a time, this decision was made. Jehoshaphat was invited to Samaria. The red carpet treatment was poured out. There was plenty of food on the table. There was going to be fellowship. And sitting at the table as they're having food, a feast. What does Ahab slip in? Notice verse 2. It says, And Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance. So plenty of food, and for the people that he had with him, and persuaded him to go with him to Ramoth Gilead. Do you see verse 3? Wilt thou go with me to Ramoth Gilead? Now, Ramoth Gilead was one of the cities of refuge. It had fallen into the hands of the king of Syria, a common enemy, one of the cities of the Lord in the hands of a pagan king. And will you go with me to war? It's for a good cause. It's for a right fight. And he pledged an alliance with him that almost got him killed in the battlefield. That's how the devil works, young people. Never up front. He'd present something that looks good, wholesome, seems the right thing to do, and encourages you to get involved. Let me illustrate that for the young people this morning. Think of a young Christian girl and she loves the Lord. 
She goes to church. She's from a good home. She reads her Bible. She prays. She's been a witness for Christ. The devil doesn't come and say to you, well, you know, I want you to marry this pagan boy. He's a drunkard. He's a drug addict. He'll abuse you and your children. He'll make your life a hell on earth. No, no, he'll present to you a, a nice young man. One that is good looking. One that you'll be assured of that will treat you well. One that you could witness to. One that you could bring to church. Now this young man, of course, he's not a true believer. He doesn't love the Lord. He, he doesn't believe what you believe about God, sin and the Bible and the devil and so on and so forth. But, but, but he's happy that he lets you attend church. He's happy if you ever got married that you could raise your children in the, word, the church. But he tells you, don't expect me to come. Because I don't believe any of that stuff. And then over time, when you do get married, it's, it's come with me. And then there's a the dinner dance. And then there's the public house. And then there's maybe the smoking of a joint. And, and, and maybe it's a popping a pill. Or maybe it's having a drink to, to relax. And you're under a lot of pressure. Your friends are doing it. Don't spoil the fun, love. And you're hooked. You're, you're drawn in. You're sucked in. You see, that's how the devil works. And that's what was going on between this affinity, this decision that Jehoshaphat foolishly made. Do you see the steps in the decision? A son in the marriage, it's for a good cause. He accepts Ahab's hospitality foolishly. He gives his word in front of others about going into battle. He hears what godly Micaiah said. Ahab, you're going to die in the battle. Whenever Micaiah was trotted off to jail, the king sat there and said nothing. You see, he felt already locked in. He had given his word. And Ahab, of course, is an old rascal. He came up with a clever subterfuge, a clever scheme. You wear the king of the, clo the, the clothes kings uh, when you go into battle. You, you wear your own clothes as king. But, but I'll go in disguise. I, I'll be dressed as a peasant. Wasn't he a lovely friend to have? Ahab had made a friend with the devil. And I want to say this morning, and I know our time's gone on, but there's a law for the true believer. You can't form an alliance, an affinity with someone who's not a true believer. Jehoshaphat was making an affinity. The word means they, they, they formed a close bond. They, they cemented together a relationship. Turn with me in your Bible and look at this passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's just read it together and I'll share a few comments. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion of light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and ye shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. Here's the law for the people of God. The individual, the congregation of the Lord, a denomination raised up by God. Let me spell it out. You, you know it this morning. You ought to live by it. You would, should not allow anyone or anything to influence you to change from the ways and the love that you have of God. This is true for marriage relationships. I believe it's a sin for a true believer to enter into a marriage relationship with an unbeliever, a Christian girl, 
non-Christian boy or, or a Christian boy with a non-Christian girl. I've heard young people saying to me, but I've prayed about it. I've got peace in my heart. I'm going to be able to bring him to church. I've got a promise that God is going to save him. You see, that's rationalization. And there's a lot of rationalized disobedience going on. And I'm saying this morning, don't do it because it will bring terrible heartache. And we could raise up testimony to that end. What about social relationships? Don't have a close affinity with a friend of the world. Your primary friendship should be those that share your values and your goals in Christ and the gospel. Remember what we read there in 1 Corinthians 15 and in the verse uh, 33. He says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. What about spiritual relationship? We have in this chapter here 400 false prophets. They all prophesied the same thing. Go up the Ram of Gilead. God is going to give you victory over the Syrians. You'll come home in peace and safety. One man of God. And he says the opposite. You're going to die in the battlefield there in Ram of Gilead. You think of the many this morning that for the pursuit of love, so-called, it's not true love. The pursuit of unity, so-called, it's not true unity. They're quite happy to bury doctrinal differences. They're quite happy to promote unity. They're quite happy to join in a, in a common ground. And yet all the while, God is not in it. You think this morning of the great Billy Graham, and many had a love for Billy Graham in the early days. But how did he end his days? With liberal theologians on the platform, Roman Catholic bishops. You see, ecumenism this morning is alive and well. And this church stands for God and the gospel, stands for Christ, stands to maintain a true witness with a desire to say no surrender and no change when it comes down to spiritual relationships. While we love God and have a desire for unity, it can never be at the expense of truth and righteousness. What about political relationships? Godless men who operate on a godless principle. I was never really fond of the Good Friday Agreement. I always believed it was fundamentally flawed because it let murderers out of jail free. Men who could get off with crimes. See, the only hope for this country is the gospel. The only hope for this country is for Christ to come again in power and blessing. And even if we have to forge an alliance with some who are pro-life, and, and, and anti-same-sex marriage We need to be very, very careful That we maintain that thought Uppermost in our mind That the only hope for Northern Ireland Is the gospel in Christ What about a business venture? Did you know Jehoshaphat entered into a business venture With uh, Ahab and one of Ahab's sons A shipbuilding venture And how did that end up? God destroyed every ship See, it's money should never be the goal it's not a desire to become a millionaire or a billionaire. It's the honor of Christ. And if you're a Christian 
then I'm saying it, here's the law for the people of God when it comes down to marriage and social and spiritual and political and even business relationships. The Bible says, be not ye unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's the decision that was foolish. Now let me quickly try and tie this up. I want you to think, secondly, of the danger that he faced. If you go back to our text, notice that it says there, in Chronicles, it says, And after certain years he went down to Ahab to Samaria. Notice the words, went down. Now he was in Jerusalem, so that means that geographically he had to go down. He had to go down to Samaria. That, that's a truth. If you were in Jerusalem today and went to Samaria, you'd have to geographically go down. But he not only went down geographically, I believe he went down spiritually. I believe that the moment he made an affinity with Ahab, he was stepping out of the will of God because God was not in it. And as a child of God, he had everything to lose. And here he's doing it in the name of change, in the name of improvement, in the name of reunification. And yet the Lord is not in it. How do I know the Lord is not in it? We'll turn to the next chapter. Look with me at chapter 19. At this time, Ahab's dead. His blood is on the ground. And it says, look at 19, And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Haniah, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. You see, he was not in the will of God. The Lord was not in it. And that applies to us as individuals. This applies to this congregation. It applies to our congregation. God's word is clear. I've already read 2 Chronicle, or Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to 17. If we were to read other portions of Scripture... Remember what we read there in uh, the book of James, in James chapter 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Listen again to what John the Apostle, John the Apostle of love said in chapter 2. He said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. See, here's these prophets, and they said to Ahab, engage in this battle of Ramoth Gilead, and God will be with thee. God will give thee victory. And here's Jehoshaphat, and he's saying, when asked, will you go with me to Ramoth Gilead? Yes, I'll be with thee. And I will be as you are. And my people will be as, as your people are. We'll be with thee. He, he's, he's joined in this alliance with the worst of men. A man of God with a man of the devil. And he forgot there's a difference between these two men. And he forgot that wrong is wrong. And nothing he could do to change that. Here's this barbecue in Samaria. Who's running it? Ahab. A union has been formed and cemented. And here they are seeking the will of God. What's God's mind in this? 400 prophets said one thing and one man of God said a different thing. But regardless of what the man of God said, 
It was the wrong kind of event for Ahab to be at. He should not have been there. He's helping the ungodly and seeking the mind of God about a certain thing. Didn't put it right. He's fallen into sin. And here he wants to pray about it. He wants to seek the mind of God. But it's wrong. And all the praying, all the sacrificing, all the seeking of God's will won't make it right. Because God is not in it. And that's the danger that he faced. He's not honoring Christ. He's not honoring God and the Bible. He's stepping over the line. He has forgot the old ways and the old truths. And here he's got this new friend, but he's a bad friend. He's the worst of friends. And the danger is he stepped out of the will of God. Those words, down, went down. And I want to tell you, we could step out of the will of God and we begin to go down spiritually. God not in it. I want you to say this as we finish. Our, our time is gone and I would love to say more. Think of the, the disaster that followed. You see, sin pays wages. Sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, keep you longer than you want to stay. Never forget that, young people. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. It'll take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay. Because sin always has consequences. And that's true for the individual. That's true for the church. That's true for the denomination. That's true for future generations. Now, let me just say this as we finish. Sin affected Jehoshaphat's family. Sin affected God's people in Judah. How many lost their lives in the battle of Ramoth Gilead? Here's Jehoshaphat helping the enemies of God in their wickedness. And good men lost their lives in the battle. And God is displaced. And it affected his children and his grandchildren. If we were to read the whole of the portion into 2 Chronicles chapter 21 and to chapter 22. After his death, his son Jehoram, uh, he married Athaliah. Um, Athaliah saw to it that the nation was turned to idolatry. Chapter 21, verse 6. Uh, Jehoram, he had a disease of the bowels for, uh, I think it was about eight years. He, he died after a reign of eight years. But Athaliah was really the one that was leading the country at this time. She eventually slew all the sons in Jehoshaphat's family, all the children, all the grandchildren, all except one. There was only one left, and his name was Joash, and it was the nurse that carried him away. They were close to being snuffed out, the godly line in Judah, from which Christ came. See, here's the disaster that followed. I'm only skirting over this for time this morning. But remember this as we leave. Here was a decision that was foolish. Who made it? It was Jehoshaphat, a godly man. What did he do? He joined an affinity with the worst of men. Why did he do it? Blinded by riches and this desire for reunification. And here's the way. He was sort of tricked. It wasn't a full frontal assault. It was a backdoor assault. Here's the danger that he faced. He stepped out of the will of God. You could step out of the will of God by a bad and a wrong decision.
I'm saying don't do it. Because disaster will follow. And it will affect you as an individual. It will affect your family. It will affect you for years to come. It will affect the church. Understanding Jehoshaphat's sin of compromise. I trust the Lord will take these few words, stammering as they are, and he'll bless them to us and give us wisdom in the things of God.